welcome to another episode of Politically Entertaining, uh, Musings of the Vocal Minority. I'm Frank. I'm here with Byron. Uh, thank you for joining us uh, this evening, or it could be whenever because this is a podcast. Thank you for joining us. And, I mean, if you know anything about politics or been hearing anything about politics, it's, it's really crazy out there. Um, you know, Byron definitely is in the know on everything, so he can break it down for you. But before we get all serious, because I know that politics sometimes is very serious business, you know, Byron, just go ahead and just get started off with something a little bit lighthearted so we can uh, roll into this. First off, uh, thank you again for everybody that uh, may be listening. Frank, did you see The Walking Are you a fan of The Walking Dead, man? No, nah, man, you know, everybody's talking about, oh, you need to watch Walking Dead, watch Walking Dead, and I, and I haven't seen it yet. I'm a Game of Thrones guy. I, I did start watching that um, probably a few months back. I, I caught up on all the episodes, so I'm actually looking forward to that season premiere in April, but I'm not a Walking Dead guy. Sorry. Man, well, okay, I won't give any spoilers away to anybody that's listening, but, whoo, boy, that episode last night, man, you know, when, it, when any favorite show that you have that you may watch is always that one episode that you point to, like, that's the one. Let's just say last night was the one, and if you were on social media at all, Twitter, Facebook, you probably saw a lot of posts about last night's episode. So that's all I, I don't want to give away. You know, I know some people like to record a lot of episodes and go back and watch them back to back, so I won't give anything away. But a lot of people were complaining about this season. They made up for it with this episode right here, so it it was great, man. What you got for us? That's great, man. I mean, that's 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 crazy because I don't want to jump jump off topic, but you know, I was, I, I watched all of the Game of Thrones seasons, and, like basically, when I went back, I went back and read reviews of different things, and I think there's different episodes and in, in all seasons, like you said, that kind of pull a season together, and um, I think it's amazing that you say, you know, about the episode, because I think there's an episode that happened in real life that's about to pull this whole election together. And I think everybody who hasn't been living under a rock actually knows what that is, and that was the death of uh, Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. And, I mean, I think the whole world went into a frenzy. I think, you know, if you're on the right, you're on the left, you're in the middle, there was an opinion about, you know, what should happen. And, you know, you know, you know I've, I've even seen emails about, oh, is there foul play involved? just craziness so i mean just shed light on how serious this is um how big a deal this is at this time of year in election season coming up in just a few months just why is this important to people who don't even pay attention to elections well oh man where where to even start on this first off this was probably the biggest news of the weekend um in politics and just in news in general uh when you when you think of like uh the Mount Rushmore of conservatives and, and Republicans, you know, you always hear uh, Reagan's name invoked during any presidential uh, Republican debate. Scalia was right up there with him, and I think now that he's passed, you'll hear that name even more. A couple of points, though, Frank. For, uh, the first thing that kind of made me sad, it, it's one thing for me, you, or, you know, regular citizen to politicize this, but, I mean, the man, I think he, he died well Saturday evening, and I would say within an hour, we had politicians from both sides already politicizing it, you know, uh, strategizing on what 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 the other side should and shouldn't do, and it was it was it was kind of sad to see. But what makes this so huge is he was what you consider a conservative leaning justice on the Supreme Court. It's made up of nine justices. So anything that 
any case that was brought before them, you know, he would he would be what you consider a deciding vote. With him going now, most things are kind of split down the middle, 4-4. And as you know, it's a lifetime appointment, and that's one of the, the big jobs that presidents get to do. And so an already important election just got much, much more important. Now, can I ask, can I ask you a question? This, this is a question for somebody who's not a political, more political novice like myself. So I understand there's nine Supreme Court justices. They often rule on many important cases like, you know, Roe, Roe v. Wade, um, obviously um, stuff like that, you know, precedent-setting cases. But, you know, they've already ruled on such things as um, Affordable Care Act and also uh, same-sex marriage. So is there any reason to think that even if they, they say, appoint another uh, conservative justice that those laws which the um, the GOP has said they're, they're vowing to repeal, would there be any reason to think they would change? Because the the opinions have already been written. So, I mean, what what exactly is the advantage um, if, if, if a conservative uh, justice is appointed? Well, if, if, a, if another conservative justice is appointed, um, then you have three, like right now you have three what I would call big pending cases before the Supreme Court. A lot of people know about, um, I think it's the University of Texas versus, um, I forget her name, I believe it's like Abby Fisher. And she is challenging affirmative action. And as you know, a lot of universities in this country, they have to have a certain amount of minorities within their enrollment. And she's she's a, um, a young white female, and she's challenging that she was not admitted because of affirmative action, and she's challenging that. So that's before that. You have an immigration case uh, from the state of Texas that is um, before the Supreme Court, and there is a um, there is a third there is a third case. So it's like three big cases right now, and as you mentioned, with affordable care and even with gay marriage, you know, um, it, it it matters. It matters to a lot of people. It may not matter to like an individual that's listening personally. But you know these these are big cases that are that are before the Supreme Court, and if you if you get a, a conservative lean in justice, then and you're a liberal, then obviously it's going to go against how you think it should go. And if you're a conservative, then it's important to you because you want to keep you want to keep that going. So it's very important, and it's, it's it's definitely I would I would say Frank that for Democrats and Republicans. It's definitely big stakes because it, you know, the the the, the known knowledge is the more the more the voter turnout is in a presidential election, usually uh, a Democrat and a, a and liberal uh, lawmakers are elected, and when voter turnout is down, then Republicans are elected. So you got the Democrats that are hope they're hoping that um, they're hoping that Obama appoints somebody, and if the Republicans say no, we're not gonna you know, approve anybody, that that will galvanize their supporters to come out and vote for whoever the Democratic nominee is. And Republicans are hoping that it will galvanize their voters and say, hey, we have to make sure, as you just mentioned, that we elect a Republican president so that he can nominate a conservative justice. So, you know, it, it just got a lot more important and a lot more exciting for people that are into politics. Very, very interesting. So, you know, one of the other uh, other interesting, I guess, parts of this whole which justice should be appointed should, 
you know, what is what is really the grounds? What are the precedents? Because you know, that's the thing about laws. You know, we we're trying to figure out. You know, we've been around. The country's been around for you know a couple hundred years now. Um, you know, and it's like we have so many precedents, legal precedents. What is the legal precedent for, say, a Supreme Court just being appointed in a president's last year? Has it happened before? Is there any reason to think that why the GOP is saying, hey, you know, we, we don't really want the president to um, nominate uh, somebody? It actually has. Um, I guess the slight the, the difference is by months, too, because um, Reagan um, – his his final year was in '88, and of course the the inauguration of '89 was when um, George H. W. Bush was elected. So that final year of Reagan's presidency was '88. In '87, like late '87, I want to say it was November or December, he 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 nominated someone that um, wound up getting confirmed. So it has been done before, and you're hearing the term lame duck like Obama. Like I think. You heard Senator Cruz and some other candidates say, well, this is a lame duck, lame duck um, year for Obama, which means that it's his final year, and generally Congress doesn't like to approve big things in the final year of a president because, hey, we're going to get ready to get a new president. But lame duck technically is usually right after the presidential election. So technically how lame duck has been used in the past is after this year's election in November, that's when it's usually considered the president's um, lame duck turn. So you hear Republicans, they're, they're bringing out the lame duck turn a lot earlier than uh, it's normally been used, and that's why a lot of Democrats are crying foul. But something interesting, Frank, and this is what a lot of liberals are hoping that Obama does, is that he appoints someone that, you know, I talked about earlier about galvanizing the, the voting public. If he's to uh, nominate like a minority, uh, you know, the first African-American female, then and, and you had a Republican say, no, we're not going to consider it, well, then that can galvanize a lot of Democratic voters to say, hey, you know, how dare you do this to this? Because they'll personalize it. How dare you do this to this woman? And it's actually, I just wanted to get a listener, three names. I'm, I definitely don't know if Obama is even considering these people. But these are three people that I would like for the listeners to listen out for. And if he does nominate people, you can say, hey, I heard that first on Politically Entertaining with Frank and Byron. And that first name, of course, is Loretta Lynch, who is right now the acting um, <clears throat> the acting, uh, district district attorney, U, sorry, U.S. attorney for um, in Obama's African American, first African-American female at that post. Um, so many are saying that he can nominate her. There's also a young lady by the name of Lucy Cole. I hope I'm saying her, her last name correct. She is the first Asian American woman in um, that is in the federal court of Northern California. And then the most interesting candidate is Monica Mar Marquez. Now she is a um, Latina uh, American and she is also openly gay. And she's the first federal judge that is openly gay. So, mm. you know, if he was to nominate her, then you got the the gay rights people and possibly the Latino people. So if you hear any of those names, you know, just remember where you heard it first. <laughs> wow. And, and I mean and, and, and I give like Byron, I give you all the credit for that because I didn't only name I knew was Loretta Lynch because obviously, like you said, she's the attorney general now and 
she's very um, highly thought of. And the interesting thing about Loretta Lynch, I did read a little bit about it, is she, even though people would assume that, let's say she was appointed and she was, um, you know, a justice, there, her her record as a prosecutor is not all that liberal. While people would assume that because she's a woman, she's black, she'd be more liberal. I don't know that she's as liberal, obviously, as, as some of the other candidates you mentioned. So, I mean, there is that. I mean, I, th- I think there's, there's – I've seen a couple of different scenarios. So depending on your political orientation, you could say, well, maybe you're happy with somebody like Lynch who might be more moderate than would you would think versus if, you, if you're for the GOP and you lose the White House, say, and then next January – um, you know, you have a Sanders or potentially Clinton nominating somebody who's even further left than who um, uh, President currently right now might might um, might appoint. So, I mean, what what exactly do you think would be the best strategy? Let's say you're playing uh, the GOP's hand. What is the best hand for them to play in order to try to get the justice they want? Um, it, I, I guess it would depend. Uh, unfortunately, they've already they've already kind of locked themselves in a position. But if it if it were me and it were up to me, I would have certainly, you know, waited to, wait to see who the president nominates first. Because for all they know, he could actually nominate someone that they can actually live with instead of running the risk of if Sanders or Clinton wins the presidency. Now you're certainly going to get more than likely a more liberal, liberal justice. So I would have waited to see who the president appointed. And, of course, if there was any doubt, um, if you felt like they were – Maybe it's a little bit too liberal leaning. Then say, hey, you know, we we considered his pick, and you know, this person isn't the right pick. And I think you you run the the chance of looking. You know, you don't you don't look as though you're politicizing it so much to the general public, and you can you know try to run out the clock on Obama's presidency. But they've locked themselves in the position as of now. You know, Senate Majority Leader has said that. They won't consider anybody that he's picked. Uh, of course, Obama has said that. I believe he said that he will nominate somebody. So, of it's, course, it's, he will. I mean, it's, <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's within it's within their rights. It's within right to pick right to pick someone, and it's within the Senate's right to say no. And again, you know, you're going to keep hearing this theme on this show. This is why elections are important, because not just presidential elections, but there's a Republican Senate, Republican-led Senate, and if you agree with their position, then you're happy about that. If you're like, how dare they, you know, do this to Obama and, and not even consider it? Well, this is why you need to go out and vote and elect senators that you agree with. And and that's a very interesting point. Um, and and I know this wasn't on the original shot sheet of what we talked about, but this is what makes this 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 uh, so awesome. What we're doing is. You know, you said elect somebody you agree with, and let's just cut right down the chase. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of talk in this country, and um, you know, as African American people, there's there's very strong lean towards Democrats. I mean, every now and then, you know, you'll have the Stacey Dash of the world and those kind of things. But for the most part, a lot of your um, you know black black commentary is is on the Democrat side side. I read and I read an article this weekend. You know, my sister actually sent it to me. my sister's actually big into politics and. I kind of read through it, and basically it talks about how the Clintons actually were um, one of the biggest um, proponents for the you know, toughness on crime that actually impacted a lot of black people. Now, granted, they may not have wanted to do that initially, but they wanted to prove they were tough on crime, and so a lot of the laws, drug sentencing laws and stuff like that, and nonviolent 
offender laws that um you know President Barack Obama commuted some people's sentences. Some of that was part of partly because of what the Clintons passed. So I kind of am, am wary of sometimes when you say what people want. I mean. What, who exactly is the candidate that people really want? Because I think that we're taught growing up, okay, well, you know, I think growing up there is the whole thing of, well, you know, vote vote Democrats and African American because, you know, they actually look out for you. And then there's the Republican side where it's, hey, I work for my money. I don't want somebody on welfare taking it. This is why I voted Republican. Like, can you can you really break down the mythos of, like, why that exists? And are, are these candidates really – any different from each other or are they just running for different you know just running because they're running like what is what is what is the real reason um why i should pick one of these candidates i know that's a crazy question we didn't really go over that but i just think it's something that it just gets swept under the rug so much and i'm just so tired of you know it being like well you know are you a sellout if you're an african-american you vote for you vote republican like or you know am i um if i'm if i'm white and i vote you know liberally am i you know um, supporting welfare, like what? What exactly is going on here? Great question. Um, a couple of things. Uh, first, let me tackle the whole. Um, you know, the Clintons they supported the crime bill that has been brought up a lot lately, uh, especially between Sanders voters and Clinton voters. While it is true that Clinton, you know, signed that crime bill. I think it's important for people to remember, and, and Sanders voters may or may not like this, but Sanders voted for that bill. Remember, he was in Congress. Um, and it, it's, it's bigger than Sanders and Clinton because at the time, you got to think where we were in that time. It was the early early to mid-'90s. Crime was, you know, at its peak. Uh, you had a lot of um, the, the congressional, uh, I can't even talk, the Congressional Black Caucus. They were for this crime bill. Many leading black pastors, um, that we look at as leaders in, in African-American communities, they were for this crime bill. So, you know, I know because uh, Bill Clinton was the president at the time that, you know, Clinton is getting this tied to her the most. But it's important to remember that everybody was, for the most part, for this crime bill. There were only a select few that were against it. And that's what happens when you panic uh, certain things, certain things, case in point, the Iraq war. One of the many reasons we went to war was because it was not long after 9-11, and we panicked, and we went into a war that many feel we should not have. Now, it's as to why, I think you were kind of alluding to why is it, how did it become that, you know, black people, for the most part, are Democrats and so forth. It, that's, it's a long historic answer that I, I don't want to um, punish the punish the listeners for listening to just notice that a long long time ago most blacks were republicans you guys have heard of abraham lincoln and freeing the slaves and all that stuff At a long time ago black people were republicans and it wasn't until i want to say around i think it started with nixon don't quote me on this but it started with nixon and the whole southern strategy thing and what happened was a lot of democrats excuse me a lot of republicans felt like a way that we can win the South is what some people say, you know, um, use like a dog whistle when it comes to race relations and, you know, use certain language that will quote-unquote scare white America. So you had like during Reagan's campaign, the welfare queen and things of that nature and kind of cater to those those Southern white people that may not be as progressive as, 
you know, many would have the country have you think. And so they use this southern strategy, and they've had a lock on that sense, and it's kind of lean, and, you know, black people saw that, and they kind of went to the Democrats. And, and what also didn't help is, like, you had um, former Senator Strom Thurmond, who at the time was a Democrat. He switched parties to the Republican Party. And, you know, I, I'll just let the people, you know, you can you can look up Strom Thurmond on your own and form your own opinion about him. But many people felt like he wasn't for, you know, black people. So when you have things like that happen, then as time went on, people just, you know, staked out their corner and black people lined up with Democrats. And you have it there. My and last thing I want to say on that is my, my advice, I actually think you should be selfish with your vote. And by that, I mean, I don't think you should just say, hey, I'm black, I'm going to vote Democrat. You know, you you listen to both candidates, and you know what kind of lifestyle you have, you know what kind of lifestyle you want to live, and you you vote for the candidate that you think will help you. And if everybody does that, then the majority wins, and that's just how it should be. But I certainly don't advocate for anybody to just automatically vote for any party. Do your homework, listen to both, and go from there. So let, let me ask you this question. So I think I think a lot of a lot of uh, African American people. I know I'm getting further off from where we were, but so there's 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 um, a, lot, a lot of African American thought of okay, well, you know, there's a lot a lot more African Americans who you know identify say with some of the things in the Republican Party, but there's certain things they can't get behind as far as they feel like, you know, to get rid of stuff like affirmative action, as we mentioned, to get rid of. Um, you know, to to start saying, well, we don't need you privatize this, privatize that. You see the things that are happening in Flint, Michigan, and other places. You 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 tend to fall back and say, well, the government will give you know at least provide those things. But it's like it's almost like a catch twenty two because you don't ever want to be relying on somebody to provide something. But you've seen that some at some levels, unless the uh, you know na- unless it's nationally run, it's like it may not work out in your favor. I mean. You know, we're both from Alabama. We we both have we weren't obviously alive, but our you know our parents were when the National Guard had to integrate the University of Alabama. So I mean, there's things that are still in people's minds. It's like, ooh, well, if I vote, you know, they they just with a, with a conscious, almost like it's almost like a a conscious from years and years ago, like, ooh, I can't vote. You know, I got to vote Democrat because of this, you know, or that. And it's like I think some people actually feel guilty. Um, voting uh, Republican potentially because they feel like, why well, am I letting my race down? You know, that's that's a real, real thought. It's like, am I selling out? You know, and then we look at some people who are so far off, like, say, I mean, I'm bringing up Stacey Dash because she, she's almost like a caricature of a person. Like, I can totally understand a black person, African-American person being conservative, totally get it. I mean, but then there's Stacey Dash. But then there's, you know, I don't necessarily think you need to be fully, you don't have to be all the way liberal. I mean, I think there's a lot of things where black, some, some black people are, are conservative, say, socially, like, say, religion, uh, you know, things like that, but then more liberal and other things. So it's like I think it's a, a difficult place for people to be. They can't find a place that totally fits their mindset, so they end up falling back to where, you know, the lesser evil, so it seems, which would be the Democratic Party. Yeah. Two 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 things on that. One, um, I think um, when it comes to many African Americans, when they when they look at a black when they look at a black Republican, one of the reasons that I think you get you, you get people like Stacey Dash that make it easy for 
blacks to call black Republicans a sellout because it's one thing to be a conservative black person. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have an issue with that at all. But, you know, when you when you say some of the things that she says to where you're putting down black people and, and you, you're using all these negative comments about them, then it's, it's, it's almost like to many other people that are looking at you, it's like, okay, so not only are you a Republican, but you feel like you have to, in order to fit in, you have to talk down on us. And and that's what, that's where you get a lot of that from. And I will say, you know, as far as the Republican Party, and, and they've admitted this, so I don't think I'm revealing any secret, they haven't done a great job as far as, um, you know, getting rid of that, that whole notion that they're, they're anti-minority when you have them come out against uh, the Voting Rights Act, which is, um, <laughs> which is the third case that I couldn't think of when I was naming the three important Supreme Court cases pending. The Voting Rights yep. Act, um, you know, wanting to get rid of um, welfare, which, which is debatable because you touched on this also. You know, it, it's a fine line with, with the whole welfare and, and um, entitlements, as they call them, because you never want to just be completely dependent on the government. It's, it's, I always say this example, like if you had someone living with you and you told this person, hey, you can live with me, you don't have to pay a bill, you don't have to do anything, you're good for as long as you want, you know, just find a job when you get ready. Well, their incentive to find a job is going to be a lot less than if you say, all right, I'm going to give you a good month. After that month, you're not going to be able to live with me anymore. Then that person is going to probably work a little harder to find a job, and that's that's the Republicans' argument with welfare and stuff. And there, there's something to that, but they definitely haven't helped their cause as far as reaching well, out to, to black people. So so that's a great point. I mean, you're, you're just nailing this right on the head. You, you said reaching out, and so one area where I think – that they could reach out, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, has there, has there been a candidate in, in the debates, the GOP debates, that has reached out as far as some of the things that have happened as far as the black, um, the black, you know, violence has happened as far as with the police, at the hands of police, like, you know, obviously Tamir Rice, Eric Garner, Michael Brown, you can continue to name, I don't, I don't even know all the names, that's sad that there's been so, so many, many. But I'm just giving you, you know, um, Sandra Bland, you know, something happened there, we don't know what happened, but... The point is, there's a lot, a lot of incidents going on, and and while I and while I'm on this here to say I am not, I don't believe that you know all police are bad. I believe most police are actually good because if all police were bad, we'd have a lot, lot more problems. The the news does politicize um, or, or or make light of things that happen, but that doesn't mean that's not important to take note of what's happening. Um, so I would say this, like. It, it makes African-Americans with young children, especially with children growing up, boys and girls, that you can elect somebody in office who doesn't even think like this is an issue. Like, oh, well, you know, hey, you know, they, you know, maybe if they had put their hands up, maybe if they had done this, that. But these people that are being killed are unarmed. It's not like we're talking about criminals who are being killed. It's like Tamir Rice, to me, if that's not an example of the worst thing that ever could happen, I don't know what would be. Um, but... You know, at the end of the day, I think that is the main thing is that the the GOP has no – they don't care to connect on that level with, uh, with with the African-American community. And I'm trying to figure out why. What is it? What do they feel like they're going to lose by saying, yeah, we're going to look at, 
you know, police and make sure they're doing their job and they're not doing something, um, you know, unethical, you know, to make sure they're not arresting people, you know, with those, you know, those kind of things. Make sure they're not shooting unarmed people. Make sure they're giving a chance, giving people a chance to disarm if they are in a non-threatening position with a weapon. Um, you know, we still live in the in the world where Dylan Roof got taken to Burger King after killing nine people in a church. Okay, so those things yeah. don't sit well with with people um, at all. At all, and and even going back to South Carolina, and like I said, I don't want to bring up old stuff, but okay, the Confederate flag came down, but it took nine black people to die in 2015, and you say, okay, let's yeah, let's take it down. I mean, if it was a symbol of hate, if you thought it was. Why was it ever even up? Those are the kind of things that, you know, people are, are kind of concerned about as far as um, – and I'm not saying that the the, uh, the Democratic Party is necessarily any better, but the GOP doesn't even address it. Like, when you watch their debate, they're like, you know, the whole – you know, we, we, you, we there's, there's an earlier – episode of this of this show like a, t- a pilot that we had where you were talking about chris christie and how he was saying that black lives matter is a hate group and i i, I agree there are some people who have misrepresented there are people who are on there's a, there's a video on dartmouth where people are on dartmouth campus they went to a library and were being very rowdy saying black lives matter there's always going to be offshoots of people that abuse a movement that's meant to do something but black lives matter is not anything different than saving an endangered species. So, I mean, I guess I'm not here to talk about that specifically, but I guess I just wanted to just say, like, why won't the GOP acknowledge and try to – that would be a huge win. That, I mean, just looking at it from a standpoint, they could really connect if they had a candidate that would acknowledge some of these things that have happened. Well, for, for, well first thing, um, let's, I mean, let's just say the obvious. It's, it's just not to, to, to criticize police. That's that's just what it is. Not popular, and especially on the um, on the conservative side, it's just not a popular thing to do. Um, the only you ask have any of the presidential candidates spoke out on it. The only the only one that halfway did, and he didn't really speak on the uh, police violence, was uh, Senator Rand Paul, who is now dropped out. But you know, he he definitely did out, out of all the candidates. Uh, what will resemble anything close to reaching out to the black community. He went to Howard uh, University and spoke before them. He's worked with uh, members of the CBC on, um, you know, trying to, you know, the whole famous uh, a longer sentence for crack cocaine versus, uh, you know, the same amount of um, just cocaine. Right. Um, he, he's worked with them on that. So he, he's definitely uh, – Done something. He has spoken out and said how, you know, the Republican Party needs to do a better job. But as far as specifically the uh, the police uh, violence or what have you, you you just that's just it's, I don't see it happening. It's not a popular thing. And you, if you ever notice, anytime someone brings it up, even the Democratic uh, candidates, even when they bring it up, they always start it off with, first I want to say, you know, not all cops are bad. And they're they're very careful and and it's understandable, like you say, we, we need the police. The police are a very important part of um our everyday lives. But uh, you do have some that are doing some seemingly bad things and I would just you know, to to, to finish up everything that you said, I, I do think it's sad that um nobody that is running for the the leader of the uh 
the free world is really speaking up on that. And one more thing, on as far as the, you, you mentioned, it hasn't been mentioned in the Republican debates. Um, I, you know, I think they've had nine debates now, and maybe three since the whole Flint, Michigan crisis. Mm-hmm. As far as I can count, there's been one question asked about Flint, Michigan, that was to Governor Kasich, and it wasn't even so much about the people of Flint, Michigan. It was just more or less, Governor, do you think Governor Snyder handled that correctly, and how would you handle it differently? He gave an answer, and then in the middle of his answer, he pivoted to something almost completely different. So I think that's been kind of a letdown, uh, at least for me personally, um, but that's that's just that's how it is, and it, and that goes back to what we talked about originally. Republicans aren't doing themselves any favors when it comes to, um, you know, changing that perception to black people, and black people do notice that. And again, you know, you can form form your own opinion with it, but they have also admitted themselves that they need to do a better job. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're like I said, I, I do apologize for just taking this completely hijacking. Where we're going and just bring it up, but I don't. These are, but I mean, I just feel like you know, people listening to this, and you know, as we as we talk, um, as we you know, we've grown up in, in, a, in a southern you know state, um, you know, growing up and just seeing different things and seeing the political process and trying to understand it, and especially somebody like yourself who, who's very very familiar with it, just trying to get in the mindset of the, of the parties because it's like at the end of the day, these guys are running for office, and so I would say you know if if you were um, you know, trying to um, you know, win an election, why would you not do everything uh, possible to, you know, to cater, you know, as much as you can to voting ranks, voting ranks uh, you know, and they completely have ignored um, the, the demographic, and maybe they don't feel like they need that to win, so maybe that's part of it. Um, not, and not only that, uh, you know, it, I think I think that's part of it, that they feel like they probably, you know, they can win without the black vote. But I think also um, there's an undertone of, I think many of them may feel that they run the risk of if they begin to to reach out or cater to minorities, that they'll alienate some of their other voters, uh, especially during the primary season. Now, during the general election, you may get whoever wins the Republican nomination to do more of that. But during the primaries, you can't afford to alienate your base, and that's what some of them feel like they may run the risk of doing if uh, they begin, you know, to really, you know, do what, you and many other people would like to see them do as far as reaching out to minorities. And so they just don't feel like it's worth the risk. And, again, I want to hammer this home. This is why, folks, elections are important, because in addition to Supreme Court justices, president, they get to nominate federal judges, circuit court judges, and these are the people, when you have a um, a Takai girly that, got, that was killed in New York, uh, when you get a Tamir Rice that was killed in Ohio, Eric Garner in New York, and on and on and on, you get judges that rule in these cases a lot of times um, if they don't go before a jury or whatnot. And, you know, they're very influential in, 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 in how the, the, um, the case goes and stuff. So it's, it's just a lot of things that presidents do that people don't, that doesn't get talked about in the media a lot, but it's not just Supreme Court justices, you know, Scalia has definitely brought a lot of attention to that, but you got Supreme Court justices of your of your state. You know, you have state Supreme Courts, and then you have federal, you know, um, federal courts and circuit courts, and you know, these are judges that 
you know, nobody really knows. They don't get mentioned. They don't get a lot of media attention. But every, I can tell you almost every week, Frank, almost every Monday, you know, when the Senate comes in session, they usually have about a 5 or 5.30 vote. If you ever bored one Monday, folks, turn to C-SPAN 2, they're usually voting on a judge of a particular district in a particular state. So just pay that kind of stuff attention, and that's why it's important. Um, I did want to Frank, real quick before we get to what I think me and you are both eager to get to, um, I did want to touch on the fact that um, while you have Republicans saying that they're not going to approve anybody, I just want people to realize that this could be um, what many are calling like a backfired plan and something that Reed did a few years ago when the Democrats were still in control of the Senate. He did what they call a uh, nuclear option. And basically, in order to confirm a judge, really to pass anything in the Senate, even though there's 100 senators, you know, and 51 would be the majority, for a lot of times they have what they call um, needing a 60, 60 supermajority vote. And I guess the Democrats at the time felt like Republicans were filibustering and blocking too many of Obama's nominees. So Senator Reid did what they call a nuclear option, got rid of the whole 60-vote threshold and made it to where you only need a simple majority to confirm a judge. Now, this angered a lot of Republicans at the time, so many people are alluding to that this may be part of a get-back as far as not even um, going through the process of hearing an Obama nominee. So it um, that could be something that has backfired, and um, it's going to be interesting to see. And one more note, just remember, my, this, this is my last time telling you, I promise, but this is why elections are matter. And just know that, that once the Democrats to take control, they need to win four seats in November to get the majority back. And if you're a Republican, just know you need to hold on to at least four. You guys have seven seats that are up on the Republican side. You guys need to win four of those to keep the majority. So just wanted to let the people know that as well. That's very, very interesting that you mentioned that. I think a lot of people overlook uh, the Senate and how that works. I think people just look at the president and they say, oh, hey, you know, got the president and, you know, they're not, they don't come, you know. I think that the pre- during the presidential elections, the you, you often see a change. I think you saw this change in 2008 with uh, when President Obama first was, was voted in, I do believe, where it was like, okay, the Democrats kind of took control of, of everything because I think people get excited, they, they vote on everything, and then you have a law and then the midterms come and you end up, you know, you lose, you lose the majority or, you know, if you, depending on which party it is or, you know, different things like that. So um, I kind of find that, you know, it is that very important. But obviously we're not really talking about midterms yet because we're in a presidential year, so I think that's going to kind of sort itself out. But, um, I mean, like I said, just just – you got you got to stay informed. Keep watching debates. Uh, keep reading up on stuff. There's a lot of stuff. You know, you can, like I said, we you can, uh, you know, we got our Facebook page up. You can check us out at facebook.com/slash politically entertaining. We're gonna have some stuff up there. Stuff that you need to, you know, keep you grounded and understand what's going on. And as well, you can like catch us on a podcast on iTunes. Um, you know, search for politically entertaining. You'll find us there. So we got a lot of good things going on. A lot of ways you can stay uh, caught up and informed. So. Um, you know, I think um, I think we've covered a lot of ground today, Byron. We're going to end this show with something a little bit uh, different. 
Um, well, yeah, uh, just wanted to piggyback on that a little bit, too. Uh, if you're somebody that doesn't like to pay attention to politics at all, well, that's what me and Frank are here for. Like, you know, we will definitely keep an eye on things and just tune in to us, and we'll do our best to um, give you what you should be listening out for. I wanted to pivot away from uh, politics for a second, Frank, and just talk about, um, well, let me ask you this. You remember the whole um, Ray Rice thing, correct? With him, oh, definitely. Right? Who doesn't? Remember the uh, what I call I call fake outrage that we had back then, and you know everybody was like, you know, this needs to happen to him, that needs to happen to him. I guess my my question is, and it's kind of like a sarcastic rhetorical question, but it's 2016. Why don't we care about the abuse? of our women, where, where, whether it's either assault or rape or anything like that. We, we pretend to care, but we don't care. And, the, you know, people may be listening and saying, how can you say we pretend to care? Well, if you think about it, even with Ray Rice, when that news initially came out, nobody really cared. Only the video made us care, and people were so appalled. And, and my first thought was like, well, what did you think abuse looks like? You, like, did you think it was, like, certain levels of it? And what what frustrates me is, you know, we we pretend to care. So, like, you have Greg Hardy for the Dallas Cowboys. I remember watching, like, a Sunday night game of theirs, and I think it's with Al Michaels and um, Chris Collinsworth. They started to show off with this, you know, they were showing Greg Hardy, and the deathbed photos of uh, the abuse to his girlfriend had just came out that week. And they were like, you know, folks, we don't like it any more than you do, but, you know, we have a job to do, and we understand if you're upset. And I'm like, you know, this has been out there for over a year. So to me, it seems like the public at large, they only care about abuse to women when there's either videos or pictures. And the reason I say it is because you take somebody like Johnny Manziel, who's finally, he's getting a little attention paid to him now. But, you know, a few months ago, he was pulled over by the police. His girlfriend is on camera saying, he just hit me. Nothing happened. He wound up starting the Monday night football game right after that. You didn't hear hear anything about it. And even now, you know, she's filed a restraining order against him. He's busted her eardrum, okay? And you you, you hear more about Cam Newton walking off from the press conference and, and dabbing and stuff. Then you have about the abuse to Johnny Football, and it's it just on and on and on. The, the biggest, the biggest two examples I want to give you, though, Frank, and I'll get your opinion on this. The the, the two things that's frustrating me the most. One, you know, you got, um, you know, with Bill Cosby, and I'm not going to get into whether he's guilty or not guilty because I have learned that people have very passionate <laughs> opinions when it comes to him and whether he's guilty or not. But I guess for me, just the rush to defend him, especially by other women, is so funny because, first off, Cosby doesn't need any of us to defend him. He has, by all accounts from what I've seen, a very capable and competent lawyer. I've seen a couple of interviews with her. That woman looks sharp. She looks bright. She knows what she's doing. He doesn't need any of our help. And if you you go back and listen to some of his speeches or read his book, that he came out with uh, some years ago, you know, he said a lot of derogatory things about 
you know, women and, and young black males. And it's like those same people are just rushing to his defense, and I just find that so ironic because I'm thinking, you know, if you were in any type of trouble, you were one of the people that he was saying, you know, pretty much we need to give up on it and, and just lock you away. And here you are with your cape on just defending the man. And it's like female victims, they they really have to, like, they're they're really guilty until proven innocent. And, and you know, people really doubt female victims. Um, last case I wanted to uh, mention was Baylor, Baylor football. They they it just came out about the the the, the bad uh, sexual assaults that have been going on on campus. That got like no attention until like towards the very end. And the president of Baylor, who many may remember, Ken Starr, you know, back when he was going after President Clinton, you know, he knew everything to do. He had all this information, but when it comes to um, trying to stop that type of stuff on his campus. He has no answers, and he he comes out with a statement saying, "Yeah, we need to figure out something we need to do." And it's because we don't. I I guess my question to you is, why don't we care more? Why don't we get more outrage when there's violence against women? So I'm gonna give you a couple of other references. So you you made some great points. You brought up uh, Baylor. You brought up Cosby, um, Manziel, Greg Hardy. Um, I'm gonna give you Brian Banks as as the opposite, and I think for people who don't know his story, um, Brian Banks was a guy who was a, a great high school football player. He's gonna uh, probably committed to play for USC in 2002. He got he got accused of rape. He spent five years in prison. Later, it was found that the uh, accuser recanted. Um, in fact, she gave a false false um, testimony, and and um, he ended up getting, you know, he got out of prison. But obviously, his football career was derailed. He spent five years in prison. Uh, you also have um, I just I was on the tip of my tongue the other um, it'll come back to me but I mean you have that kind of thing where it's in the background I know that's not the right thing but I think that when we have athletes we say well they're in a pos- position of prestige so you know when there's violence they're like well I mean what exactly was it is this woman trying to gain something so I think that there's this mindset even from women that when somebody's famous, not even just an athlete, that there's like, well, what are these people trying to get? Like, why is this story coming out? Whereas people are so skeptical, I believe, of the media and of things that they're like, well, why is this being reported? You know, I think I think another case that's come out now is the Peyton Manning uh, allegations have resurfaced. Now, these allegations yeah. are not against – these aren't new, okay? So just for people who don't know what's going on, Tennessee is undergoing a probe for a bunch of allegations that they have um, – um, and the other case I want to bring up was Duke Lacrosse, how all those guys lost their eligibility when that stripper said she was raped, but then she recanted and said she wasn't. So there's been a couple of high-profile cases where the woman has been less than credible. Um, however, what we do, what we seem to find is systematic destruction of women's credibility by not just the player, but by uni- the university, by the by the victim. It's like I think it's all about. Um, I mean, I would I won't say it's all about money, but what I what I'll say is that when you look at some of the the players that have been able to escape, um, you know, prosecution or escape, which you've seen, they they all had something in common. They all were very famous or 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 providing something that was highly sought after that somebody thought that was not replaceable. Whereas you know this this woman, this person, these people, these victims, well, just just get rid of them because. They're just they're they're messing with the train, you know. They're you know we've got, 
you know, you've got a lot of athletes who have been accused of a lot of things. You know, Jameis Winston was also accused, not saying he did anything, but there's just a lot of things coming out, um, women, you know, being assaulted, uh, there, you know, or, or and, and then it kind of just going away and, you know, it, it being the end of that. I mean, there's so many things. I mean, I remember, uh, and not to bring other than a negative light, because I think Warren Moon was, was a great, standard bearer for the African-American quarterbacks and did a lot of things. But, I mean, he was also had domestic abuse problems. I remember him being – this is back when TNT had Sunday Night Football. I remember uh-huh. he was back on the broadcast the next week. And it was like, oh, yeah, he had, you know – I mean, no, like you said, nobody knew what it looked like. People were like, oh, domestic violence. What did that, that look like? He yelled at his wife really loud. He was like, hey, you didn't take out the trash, honey? Hey, you burned the chicken? I mean, what do you think it looks like when, you know, especially when these guys are so strong? It's like these guys are not you and me out. You know, and let alone somebody half, uh, you know, of, of our size. So you're talking about, you know, a 220, 30-pound man pushing on a 120, 30-pound woman. It's like that's not even fair um, at all. So, I mean, I just think that there's a, there, there's a certain naivety from the public of, of the, they've heard it before and they've heard false accusations, so they're kind of like, oh, it's the boy who cried wolf. And then there's a certain systematic destruction that, the the, the 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 powers that be know how to discredit the person who's accusing uh, these athletes, especially if there's not a lot of hard evidence. They're just they're gonna they're gonna just zip that right up. It's like okay, you're gonna accuse the best player, a great athlete, you know, a great. They're they're going to have, I mean, they're going to, and I think a lot of times I think there's a lot more that happens that women know that this guy is so powerful, he's so big that they're like, you know what. It's not even worth it. It's not even worth getting my name thrown in the mud. That's why you see a lot of women settle cases. You see a lot of cases being settled in these in these things because people don't want to go through the the long the long slog of of a courtroom battle and those kind of things. So, like I said, I just think it's really it's really um, a, a black mark on our society. We don't take it more seriously because these are you know our daughters, our sisters, our you know mothers to be, and we're just throwing them in the wind because hey, our favorite player, we don't want him suspended for two weeks. We don't want him kicked out. We don't want him to go to jail. You know, and, 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 and you know, it's like Greg Hardy, you know, for he's all but admitted his guilt, and the fact that he's been able to come and play is just is just really a joke. And the fact that it's not it really wasn't even that big a story. I mean, honestly, once he – I mean, people talked about it a little bit, but once he got back on the field, it was like – they just talked about Cowboys and how they were losing. I mean, the biggest story of the Cowboys season is the fact that Tony Romo broke his collarbone twice. That's the biggest story, and Des Bryant hurt his foot. Greg Hardy's like the third story, but really, I mean, that should have been the story that, that led off the season. But then, I mean, like I said, it's crazy because people still hate Michael Vick to this day. I'm not saying what Michael Vick did is right, but he went to prison for it. And by all means, a dog, is, is, is while it's a beautiful creature, one of God's great creations is not a person. You cannot marry a dog. I mean, I don't think you can. I, I wouldn't recommend you doing that. But I'm just saying, a dog is not a person. It can't be your mother. It can't be your sister. It can't be your child. Not in that sense. So it's like the fact that sometimes we have le- more apathy towards women than animals is, is an indictment on our society as a whole and something that we really, really need to look at. I mean, I don't really have an answer. I think, I mean, it was a, it's a tough question. It's, it's such a tough thing. And the only thing I'll say about Cosby, and this is one thing I've always thought, is I know people have said, oh, he you know, did this. I think there's definitely something to what he did. But I think what he did was part of a network of men who all did that. And I'm not giving him a pass by any means. What I'm saying is what he did was so insane 
that there was more than one guy doing it. There was guys who, there was a network of people that were kind of like, yeah, that was what they did. Like, that's how they got down. And so I think if you ever peel, that ever gets peeled back, and it may never get peeled back, but I think this it's, it's a lot to that. I think there there's a lot of names involved that you probably wouldn't believe, or maybe you would believe, that are involved in that kind of thing with the whole, you know, they, they make memes about it, they make jokes out of it, but it's it's really not funny and um, it's, it's a serious thing. So, I mean, I just want to say that, and I don't really, like, I don't have any evidence. I don't want anybody coming after me saying I said anything about Cosby, but it was just my feelings on the matter. Yeah, and he, listen, I, I, I want to make that point very clear, too. He could very well be innocent. I mean, if you want, you know, if you're somebody that believes all 40-plus women are lying and there's some conspiracy to come out against him because he wanted to buy NBC or whatever the, whatever the theory is out there, that's fine. You're entitled to believe that. I guess what has frustrated me was how, you know, a lot of his defenders, they moved the goalposts, okay, so it, it goes from he wouldn't do anything like that to, okay, maybe he would have done something like that, but that's what everybody was doing too. Okay, but he wouldn't give them pills. That's not true. And then you see a deposition where he admitted he did. Well, okay, everybody was doing that. Um, why why didn't those women come out much sooner? Why, why are they waiting 40 years later? Uh, folks, a lot of those women did come out. They were either told not to proceed or what they were, like, encouraged, like, you know, this is a very popular guy. It's not going to go far. And a lot of them were, you know, pretty much told you should just let this one go. So, you know, again, wherever you are on the whole Cosby thing, that's your prerogative. Um, also, I think it also comes down, Frank, to it, 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 it depends on who we already like or don't like. So in the case of Floyd Mayweather, there's no pictures or video of him, but a lot of people don't like Floyd Mayweather. So they, you know, automatically felt like he did. And then, of course, he, I think he pled guilty to it or whatever. So yeah, he wound up serving jail time for it. Uh, and then you look at, like you, you mentioned, Peyton Manning and Jameis Winston. I think for each of these cases, it, it's a matter of who you like and who you don't like as, as, as a basis to what you believe and what you don't. And another good point you brought up was, you know, how to, the, the, the Duke lacrosse stripper, and you definitely have high-profile cases where the, where the woman lied. Um, I, I know Tawana Brawley comes to a lot of people's minds. And, yes, those cases are out there. But statistics show that a lot more women, you know, don't report rape ever uh, versus, you know, women that falsely accuse. So, you know, I just want people to apply. You know, we've mentioned Black Lives Matter during this uh, podcast, and one of the biggest arguments of Black Lives Matter is, you know what, yes, there are, you know, there are some, you know, criminals, you know, black criminals that, that do bad things, but we're not all criminals and police don't treat us as such. Well, we have to apply that to, I think we should apply that to female victims. Yes, there are female victims that, well, I guess they're not victims that will lie, you know, to try to get a quick payday or whatever, but by and large and for the majority you know, a lot of times it's real, and not only is a lot of times it's real, a lot of times it doesn't even go reported. So just wanted to get that out there. Um, and, again, you know, we just give y'all y'all our opinions. Not trying to tell you how to, how to think, but uh, I definitely wanted to uh, discuss that 
real quick. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and like I said, you can uh, catch catch um, catch our show, catch us on politicallyentertaining.com. Uh, check us out on Facebook. Uh, if you got any questions, you can always email us, info at politicallyentertaining.com. We'll get back to you. Like I said, we're just here to inform uh, you as the election season gets just it's really just getting warmed up. We've just had a couple of, you know, the Ohio and New Hampshire but, uh, primaries, but this thing is, is, um, is about to take off, and especially with the death of Justice Scalia, it's going to get very, very interesting in the next, uh, you know, 10, 10 months or so. So uh, stay tuned. Um, stay tuned to everything. Like, you know, we're going to keep you informed. Uh, Byron, you want to take us out? Yeah, I just want to tell folks, you know, um, first off, thank you for listening. Second, go to Politically Entertaining. Um, I actually did an interview with the Washington Times, Stephen Dining. You can also catch him on Fox News from time to time. That entire video is on the website. Go to that, click play. Leave us some feedback. Leave us some questions uh, that you would like answered for the next podcast. Like Frank said, check us out on Facebook. And uh, this is our first show. We're definitely going to get better, you know, add things to it. We plan on having uh, guests, uh, call-ins. We're really trying to do some great things with this, so we hope you like it. And um, we hope you tell a friend to check it out as well. So that's it. Frank, as always, man, it's a pleasure. And I just want to thank everybody for listening again. All right, we'll see you guys next time on another episode of Politically Entertaining.